You're listening to the Best Frenemies Podcast. Join your hosts, Mark Kaminsky, Dave Wills, and Chase Colley as they tackle the latest in college football and basketball news. They may be bitter rivals, but they are better friends on the Best Frenemies Podcast. From our holiday hiatus, I'm here with my Buckeye friend of me, Dave Wills, and my Wolverine friend of me, Chase Colley. We're here to talk sports. Last night was the national championship game for college football, and uh, something crazy happened. Alabama lost by 16-plus points, which is the first time that has happened since being beaten by this mystery coach. Any guesses? Chase? Um, could it be... I don't know. I'm stumped. What, who is it? It was. I was the last say, my, my pride says that it was... Initially, I was like, it, it, was, it was Urban. It was Urban in the first playoff, but <laughs> it wasn't. It was Good not, try, it was not Urban. No, the, the, the coach, the last coach to beat Alabama by 16-plus points was, in fact, Nick Saban before coming ah. to Alabama as head coach. So kind of a wild um, uh, trivia question there for us, but it's just, just an interesting game. I don't think many people expected Clemson to win, let alone to win in, in that kind of fashion. So um, I, I thought it was interesting. Yeah, when you have a team like Clemson that is that good on defense and that good on offense, it's a kind of a scary thing to watch. You're looking at this team and you're going, they have everything that I want as a as a Michigan fan. They have it. And they're doing it so well. And you're watching going, wow, their defense is the best. Maybe their defensive line, the best unit in college football, like combined. Their front seven, amazing. Completely shut down Tua. I mean, it was Tua couldn't handle himself at all in there. And then you have their offense with Trevor Lawrence just amazing throwing the ball around i think he had 350 yards and three touchdowns at 356 i think or something so, like yeah, that yeah when you put the, those things together that's a scary thing and uh they're just really good and they showed on the biggest stage with the brightest lights against arguably the best team in in the history of college football you know or, or at least uh french or what we call it program i mean right. alabama when you get beat like that when you beat alabama like that hey Tip of the cap to you there. Tip of the cap to you there, yeah, yeah. To you and, there I mean, and a lot of people this year have said that this is Saban's best Alabama team. Not just another one of Saban's great teams, but his best Alabama team that he's had on the field since he's been there. Right. So they go ahead and go in and get stomped in the national championship. And this kind of comes back to our whole playoff expansion talk in the first place. This year has shown that maybe it should just go back to two teams. Right. You know what I mean? Like, unfortunately, that would have left all of us out. But I'm saying it looks like initially I was like, oh, eight teams, eight teams, eight teams. And this year I'm like, well, man, maybe they should have. Except that there's a misread on who we thought was best. I mean, for what yeah. you just said, and I'm with you. I mean, Alabama people, I, I, I was saying that too this year. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of it is I think a lot of times Saban has great, a great cast, but not always a great you know, center role like the quarterback mm. is not always excellent at Alabama. Usually the quarterback is like serviceable or has a skill set, but Tua is the best, like pure, true quarterback. I think that Saban has had at Alabama. I could be forgetting something, but you know, if you look back, you've got McCarron, you know, guys like that, like who are, they're good. 
you don't see him necessarily more more of a game manager. Yeah, if you will. Not, I mean, Tua can really spin it, right? And when he came in last year against Georgia in relief and and managed to come back and and ending up putting that thing away for Alabama in, in overtime, just some of those throws that he made. Yeah, we didn't see it last night, but there was a thought in my mind, like how poetic would it be if they benched Tua and put Jalen Hurts in for the second right. half because Tua didn't look good at all. In no, the first he really half. didn't. He didn't. Threw two picks. One of those picks was a was a return for a touchdown. And you're kind of going, man, this freshman who comes in cold as ice in last year's national championship game and throws three touchdowns, one of which being in uh, you know the last play of the, or one of the last plays of the game, and you're going, wow, how did he do that? Now you've had a whole season to prepare. He's been the one of the best quarterbacks, uh, arguably the best quarterback. Obviously, didn't win the Heisman, but you're seeing this guy who's had all the preparation. You've given him everything that you need. Plus, he's building off of that performance last year, and it's just flat, falls right. flat. Kind of almost goes against everything that you believe in what you need out of a quarterback, and uh, kind of a a little a little a little bit raises the question for for our teams. Just you know, how how are we gonna move forward off of what we did this year. So I'm kind of interested to talk about it. Who who can beat Clemson next year? I mean, gosh, this is a true freshman quarterback, that receiver making all those cir- circus catches. He was a true freshman too, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, they, they've got guys all over the field coming back. They're going to have, I think it's a, a, a senior offensive line across the board, all seniors. I mean, they're going to be unbelievable next year. No question Clemson's going to be. I think we were looking at before the show – uh, a way too early top 25 and Clemson's number one. I mean, there's no argue there, right? Yeah, I mean, they're just legit the number one team going into next year. So we'll see, you know, if they have any um, players that surprise them and declare early. I don't see why not. I mean, they have, they have everything. I think each senior class for Alabama and for Clemson uh, will graduate this year with 55 wins and two national championships. And that's so. There's some juniors on that team that have two national championships as well. If you're a if you're a Clemson player, so you're just like, oh, I'll leave. <laughs> I've, I've achieved everything here. You know, might as well. So we'll see. I mean, sure. But but that, those types of teams, they just reload. There's no. Right. And that's, that's what I was gonna say. I mean, it's not even it's not even the junior element. It's like the freshman element out there. That's just it's unbelievable. So we'll, we'll have, you're right. We'll have to see. And, and keep in mind too, Clemson lost that big time defensive lineman going into the playoffs and his name is escaping me dexter lawrence yes and it was like did it didn't even matter yeah didn't even matter well the one thing i mean this year they're they're probably going to lose all four of their starting defensive linemen you know what i mean wilkins is gone he's a senior mm-hmm. farrell's probably going to declare dexter lawrence is probably going to declare brian on the other side the other defensive end all top 25 picks, top 30 picks in, in the NFL draft. I mean, so all on the same line. But they're probably – I mean, they're going to end up losing all of them right now. They're listed as eight returning starters. They're not going to have eight returning starters. Yeah, good point. Good point. So we, we also had big games happening for our own team. So it's fun to recap the national championship a little bit and look forward to next year. But we got to look at our own teams in terms of a, a closer look at what we were doing in bowl season. And unfortunately for a couple of us, we were – 
we were trending down. But we're going we're to hit this in chronological order. We'll talk about Michigan first since Michigan played first in the bowl game. And I will go on record saying I was one of those who was like boring matchup for one, Michigan-Florida for two. Michigan's going to destroy Florida. It's a, it's, a bad, it's a bad deal for Florida. Of course, we had some Michigan guys declare and sit, and sit, out, the, sit out the bowl game. But it didn't work out that way. And, Chase, I want to hear your thoughts about the game and, and what that leaves you feeling with uh, going into the future and things of that nature. So, Chase, what are you thinking? Yeah, so I think um, looking at what happened in the Peach Bowl, you have to look at it. There's, there's one of two ways to look at it. You have the, the one way is to make a bunch of excuses, say, hey, our best players weren't playing. Some of our best players weren't playing. Definitely two of our captains uh, Karan Higdon and Devin Bush were two of the players that sat out and didn't play. Um, and so you could make the argument that we didn't field our best team. The team that won 10 games in the regular season was not the team that was presented in the bowl game. And I think that's a valid argument. Uh, there was a lot, of, a lot of that happening. But I would also say that what I feel is more of the reason why we got blown out by Florida is we let Ohio State beat us twice. That Ohio State loss, I think, sucked the life out of every player on that team. And to get up for Florida for a matchup that is, like you say, Mark, a little bit boring, a little bit old, maybe even for a, for a Michigan player, um, not exciting. What are you playing for? Um, I think that that's kind of hard to get up for. And... I don't excuse that at all. I just I look at those two things and I go, yeah, that was a recipe for an absolute crap performance. And it, that's what it was. Um, I think there was some bright moments, I think, um, on offense when we were able to spread the ball out a little bit and Shea was allowed to throw the ball around. He had a lot of success. But where we really failed was the constant – approach of running the ball between the tackles and trying to beat the defense with speed with like screen passes and and things of that nature and frankly our team was just not set up for that so you have this offense that's designed and built to run between the tackles against a defense that's that's designed to stop the run and you're just kind of like well did you did you watch the film on the Florida Gators front seven? Or were you just too too worried about pounding the ball and, and being, you know, the tough Michigan team, which I love. I love that mantra, but at the same time, if it's not working, ditch it. Cause I think we all love to win more than than that. So I would say going forward, guys, I mean it's simple. Like I hope that Harbaugh takes a big long look in the mirror. If he's gonna continue to call the plays or or if everything is going to flow through that headset, I think Jim Harbaugh needs to take a big, long look in the mirror and say, hey, what is going to get us to that last Monday night on college football? What's going to get us there? And I don't think that this whole man ball, as a lot of people in the Michigan fan base like to call it, is going to work because it's we can beat Rutgers and we can beat Illinois and we can beat Indiana and – we can beat some of those teams by just running the ball up the middle. But if you want to beat Ohio State, if you want to beat Michigan State, if you want to go and play one of these teams that was in the playoff, you have 
to be able to spread the ball out and be dynamic and confuse these top-notch defenses. Instead, we screen pass, screen pass, run up the middle, punt, and that is just a recipe to get beat by a lot of points. So those are my thoughts. I'm, I'm excited that Shea Patterson's coming back. This might be the first time in a long time we have a quarterback that's, that we can build upon, so we'll see what they do. But I think Shea came out in the media and said, let us play, almost as if he's talking to the coaches directly through the media and saying, guys, let us play. Let the playmakers make plays and, and put it on us. So we'll see what happens. And uh, everything's out in front of us. We couldn't have been any worse than we couldn't have been any worse than uh, than we were the last two games. So I think that Harbaugh's pride is is the problem. I mean, he's just constantly. Like you said, he's just running this thing saying, well, no, I'm the best. And if I'm the best, that means my players are the best. We can just we can do what I say is go- we're going to do. And it's like, well, no, very obviously you cannot do that. I mean, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is the only Florida defensive player that declared for the draft early. Still played in that game. And he was – like he knew what you guys are doing before anybody – I mean, he actually – like the one pick that he had it going into the end zone, he caught it in the end zone and returned it however many yards 70 yards or something like that he baited patterson into that throw like he watched he never he he ran one direction but he was watching patterson the whole time and knew exactly where he was going cut back and cut in front of him made that interception in the end zone because he knew what you guys were going to do and that's what you know like you said Rutgers doesn't have the talent to stop you guys yeah i think from doing that i think it's that it's that exactly it's that Florida looked at Michigan and said, what do we have to do to beat Michigan? Yeah. I don't care what the heck we did when we played Auburn or when we played Georgia or any of these games that we played. Anybody else that we played. What do we have to do to win our next game? Yeah. And I see Michigan going. No, I'm Michigan. Keep, let, we're, we're Michigan and we're going to, this is how we're going to beat you. We're going to tell you that we're going to run up the middle. Stop us. And Florida's like, okay. Done. We got you. Gotcha. Now throw the ball. I'm going to pick it off because yeah. I know where you're going to so, throw it. So, and, and exactly. So now yeah. instead of the offense dictating what's happening, the defense is going, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Your choice. Your choice. It, it seemed a little cat and mouse out there. I mean, mm-hmm. and I think it just it boils down to, again, Harbaugh, take a big, long look in the mirror and just say, what do I got to do to win these games that I'm consistently losing? So, and the answer is called hire an offensive coordinator. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, not. Yeah, you're done running your Indianapolis pull, 19, pull a Brian 1994 Kelly. Colts offense. Yeah, you're good. Pull a Brian Kelly. I mean, what did Brian Kelly do after that four and four and nine season? Um, I'm firing myself as offensive coordinator. Yeah, right. And it, it worked. They were in the playoff. Yeah. Okay, so hey, it, it, the other thing about this too, because it's it was interesting. It was a really, I mean, it was a strange game. Completely not the game I expected. I, if anything, I expected it to go the other way like this. Um, but it almost felt like Michigan came out flat. Mm-hmm. You know, like they weren't, they didn't want to be there. And, and Chase, you said like the idea of, over. Yeah, of, of Ohio State beating Michigan twice. That could be it. But I've heard from Michigan's fan base quite a bit like, oh, these bowl games don't matter. I mean, they're watching their players sit out. So they have to either say that player, you know, is doing the wrong, making the wrong decision and is going against the Michigan way, or they need to go with the mentality of bowl games don't really matter. Even though this was a New Year's Six bowl game, right? May not be the most prominent of them, but the Peach Bowl is a New Year's Six, New Year's Six bowl game. It it ought to be a big deal. It's a chance for Michigan, the Michigan program, to get to an eleven win season under Jim Harbaugh. That's a big. That's a big step, you know. That's that's a big deal. That's going to make a difference in the in the national presence, in the recruiting, in the just everything. You want the you should want the win 
big time. Because if, if we go with the mentality of bowl games don't matter, I mean, at the end of the day, unless you really think you're going to be the national champion, which obviously there's only one of those, then all games are useless. All games are meaningless. It's, it's a sport, right? All these games are at the end of the day, pretty much meaningless. Um, but it, it, it counts for something for these players. One reason is because they put so much into the into the game, into the preparation, into getting their bodies ready, into getting their minds ready. There's a lot of time and, and effort that goes into any game, and the bowl game really ought to be the crowning achievement. Now, we talked, we hit this a little bit last time where we're kind of losing some of that. Um, but I'm wondering if the Michigan fan base mentality of, yeah, but the game didn't really matter, is also so, somewhat of the mentality of these players watching their peers sit out and, and, Look, I cannot stand Chase Winovich, but I give him credit in this. The dude is all about his team. He's all about his team. Um, I mean, he's you know a bit central in the media perspective, but when it comes down to it, he what he shows is that he's all about his team. And he even voiced being disappointed in his teammates' decisions to sit it out. And he said, I basically have to be in a body bag to not be playing today. I, I, I mean, as much as I can't stand Chase Winovich, I can't say that enough. Um, I, I love that. Uh, that sentiment. I want players with that type of mentality. And for him, it wasn't a meaningless game, but it kind of felt that way maybe for the rest of the team. Maybe it's watching two of their captains say, yeah, I'm going to bow out of this. Maybe it's the mentality coming from the coaches, the disappointment of losing Ohio State and not getting to the, the postseason that they were desiring. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not really sure what that is, but there was kind of an, uh, a mental and emotional flatness I thought that that brought it down yeah, I mean, to that. You mentioned Chase Winovich, and don't ever disparage the good name of Chase Winovich again. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but um, no, he he is that, that exactly right, Mark. Legit in every sense of the word when it comes to a team player, a uh, high motor guy that's never ever going to give you less than a hundred percent. And I think the reason that you hate him so much is because he backs up all those words with just really good play and. And, yeah, he goes out in the media and does what he does. And he was the, the linchpin for the whole uh, revenge tour mantra for the for the season, um, which came to a crash in Columbus. But <laughs> I digress. And but he comes he comes together. He brings that team together in a way. And I think he was disappointed because he knew what needed to happen to get over that Ohio State loss and to move on to the bowl. And when he saw those players bow out, he I think he realized that, OK, well, <laughs> I don't know how I don't know how well this is going to go, but I will say going forward till to next uh, um, next year is we need to. Uh, I, I think I want to see Harbaugh kind of. He's got to shake his staff up. You touched on it, Dave. I think we need to see something on the offensive side of the ball, a shakeup in some way, whether that be hiring an, an offensive coordinator or or what have you. But it's vitally important that he makes some changes in the way that he's coaching his team. And now whether that's just him looking in the mirror at himself, like I've mentioned, or hiring somebody else, I think we need to see that because what's been presented the last four years is really, really good against the teams that we should win against and average to bad against the teams that have a spine, <laughs> you know? So, uh, and then obviously Ohio State poaching, Madison on the defense side of the Which ball. Which was my next question was, how do you feel about 
well, Ohio I, State poaching Madison. I, I, now, I don't. I don't mind. I mean, I got we have Ed Warner on on as our offensive line coach. He was Ohio State's offensive coordinator like two years ago. So mm-hmm. it doesn't bother me. I mean, I yeah, but this is live. Like Ohio State let him go right, and then how did that trans? I don't remember how that transitioned. No, uh, he took initially. Warner took a job in, in the NFL and then got fired from that job, and then he and then he came, came back to, to came Michigan. To Michigan. Right. So it I don't was think, indirect. It was this indirect. is very direct. This is this is this is from a guy vocal about being all about the school. Very vocal, and so we'll see. I think it's what I'm noticing on, like Twitter and Instagram, are players that are just straight up like, "Go, go, do you, Greg?" Because we're going to do us. Yeah. And I think it's going to be good for, you know, maybe a little bit of galvanization because it's there's like, going to be hey, some talk about this going into that week next year. Oh, for for sure. But there's there's I mean, let's be honest. I don't think there's anything else that people are going to talk. They're going to have the number sixty three pasted on about every surface in Schembechler Hall and in the locker rooms and everything going into that week. But but no, so going forward, I, I think that we just need to um, we need to take a big long look at ourselves, Michigan. Who do we want to be and who do we want to beat, and how do we get there? Because trying to form an identity in August and saying this is how we're going to be in November, I think is just a recipe for failure in November. So that's a wrap for Michigan. Well, one more, one more comment on Michigan. It was like the, the most deflating 10-win season I've ever witnessed from the outside. Usually when you go and you win 10 games, it's like we're celebrating a great season. The problem is you guys won 10 games by losing your last two Again, you know, and that's happened to Michigan a lot these last few years. And so I think I see that as a finishing for, for Harbaugh has seemed to be a bit of a problem. Yeah, three 10, 10 win seasons in his four years. And for the third year in a row, he's lost his last two games. So I would say they're all deflating. But yeah, I mean, I guess we were as high as we could have been going right. into that Ohio State game and then as low as you can right now. So it's kind of like, I understand what you're the saying. The expectation, because you lost your first game to a good Notre Dame team. And then it was like, now we're going to rattle off 10 straight wins only to lose two in a row. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is. It's kind of like you've gotten, you've, you've, you've gotten to that point and you have everything in front of you and then it's ripped away in that fashion, like snatched, like you look like an idiot. And then... You go and expose yourself of oh maybe I just really just was an idiot, maybe I just was that bad, you know. And I don't think that we were. I think there's a lot that goes into that, but it certainly looks like that on the outside. But um, no, moving on. I mean, a, a team equally as frustrated, I'm sure, with their performance was the the Michigan State Spartans. And I have to say, one of your Christmas wish lists was uh, Dave Warner being fired. You haven't quite received that yet, but. I mean, you have to be moving towards that. If if I remember correctly, I think my wish list item was like either Dave Warner, either we play so poorly on offense that Dave Warner has to be fired or we find some offense. We did not find offense. And in <laughs> no, fact, I feel no, like that other, no, the other possibility on that wish did come true. It's like you just lost a football game. Seven to six. Oh, dude. You just lost a bowl game. Seven to six to Oregon. Was it not 0-0 zero, zero at halftime? Didn't Oregon – it was. Oregon, <laughs> zero to zero Oregon gives scores like 40-some points a game, right? I think your average was like 41 points a game. If I remember – maybe I'm inflating that. But they, like, I believe that's, that's what, they, what's, what their annual average is. Somebody's going to fact-check me on that. But we gave up 
seven to them. And our offense couldn't win that stinking football game. I mean, that was, it was incredibly disheartening. And there were some things I saw that offensively that were actually looked better, believe it or not, than the the previous few games. I thought, you know, I mean, Lewerke at times looked totally lost, but at other times he was decisive. He used his feet a lot better. There was definitely more zip on the ball. I didn't think that a lot of the incompletions were his fault. The receivers had zero separation. He had nowhere to go half the time. So there's an issue there. I thought, you know, I, I was up on our receiving core beginning of the year, obviously without Felton Davis, it, it's big changes, you know, in, in that regard. And hopefully they get coached up over the off season and come back um, better being able to replace him somehow, um, even if it's by committee. But at the, at the end of the day, it, it was our receivers to me that looked really lost. LJ didn't have a spectacular game, but I thought it was fairly solid. It was as, as good as he looked since obviously before he got hurt as good as a running back has looked for us besides the Maryland game before he, since before he got hurt. I didn't think it was a terrible performance turned in by those guys, but the, the problems persist of the offensive line. That, that was still an, a, a pretty big issue. And, um, and the receivers not getting separation was like, that, that was pretty, pretty clear to me. Um, the other thing is that we changed up a lot on offense. We went no huddle. We ran this pistol look a lot of the game, which was all like I mean, it was brand new. It was like I wasn't sure what I was watching. It didn't look like MSU. Yeah, but they were trying. They were trying to they were, conjure up some right. sort of. Offense. So they were trying to give me that other gift. They were trying to give me some offensive life. And they were like this, but it, it still was exist. dead. It was still this door, dead. This room is empty as well. Oh my goodness! And it, I mean, gosh, if you could finish a drive or two, you win the football game. But well, it, that that's what stinks so much about. You literally lost seven to six, but Michigan State had two scoring drives. Right, and, right. And Oregon only had one. You just turn one of those drives into a touchdown and you win the game. So that's got to be so frustrating. I mean, I look at the game and I go, well, at least they had a defense that was lights out. Well, because Oregon averages 35. 35. So same. I mean, basically the same. Yeah. I mean, that. It's wild to see a defense hold a team averaging 35 to seven points you know in the, in the bowl game i mean Michigan and arguably had, the second best quarterback would have been the second best quarterback in oh, this yeah. year's draft i mean right. not just any offense like right and he looked he looked pedestrian i mean yeah. it was no he was not good he had one good drive that scoring drive they had like two plays they strung together and even you know he put a perfect ball in on that touchdown i'll give him that but rest of the game we made him look pretty pretty average um and you know i i, I have no doubt michigan had a good defense this year but they didn't look like it their last couple games. You know, MSU's defense kind of went the other way. We started a little slow the first few games, maybe some bad matchups there. But, gosh, if we would have had Josiah Scott healthy this whole year on the other side at corner with Justin Lane, I mean, because we were without Justin Lane, but we didn't really miss him. Josiah Scott had an amazing game. He did give up that touchdown, but, again, it was a perfect ball, and he was in position to make the play. It was just it was just an ideal throw um and so anyway I, I mean at the end of the day offense very disappointing not surprising very disappointing um and gosh we we are just on the clock waiting for dave warner the dave warner decision 2019 to be made uh, officially can i ask you a hypothetical question oh my because, goodness because dear lord i hope that this is not true for for your sake but hypothetically going in to fall camp Dave Warner is still the offensive coordinator. Your thoughts? I'm a, I'm gonna be uh, pretty frustrated if that's the case, and I'm starting to think by the hour that's probably what's, that gonna, that's happen. what's gonna happen. That's probably what's gonna At that point, then D'Antonio is firmly firmly on the chop, uh, not chopping block, but like, got, hey, if this is your choice, 
Well, the if way this he, is your choice to keep this guy. Yeah, there has to be some please questions. Please tell me why. Because if I don't see something on the field, then there's something it's got to give. And it's got to quit. You have to start questioning Big D now. You got to yeah. start questioning, like, where is your head at, bro? Yeah, because like we talked about in the past, his loyalty has always been there. But now we're like... To a fault now. To a fault completely. Like, the best thing I got out of that game was a nap. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not... A, because I, I have nothing I to say. I started watching that game, and I was zero, like, zero at halftime. Yeah, my recliner went back, and I was like, oh, I woke up, and it was still zero zero. Like, oh, great. And it was a solid hour and a half nap. Like, it was pretty cool. It was so really legit. It was really legit with two little kids running around the house. It was it worked out. But, I mean, at what point in time, D'Antonio's got to not, I mean, like you said, not on the block, right? I, I mean, because he's put block. I wouldn't call it a hot yeah, seat, no. but I would say. Guy, man, yeah, what are we, you doing? We need you to answer some questions. Please answer these yeah. questions. Yes, that I have does for he? He has pull out your does, notebook and please answer. This. Yeah, is does he have like 1960s photos of you that that we don't know of? Or like, what? Why are you <laughs> yeah, still like some blackmail? Like, what happened? is going on here? Yeah, I, you know, I can't really defend it. Um, if he if he brings back Warner, he he it's the way this business works, right? You have to have a scapegoat for something that's going wrong. And, and so the Lions would be a good example. They had a disappointing season. First-year head coach, Matt Patricia. Fire there. See you later, Jim Bob. Yeah, like, hey, out. it was nice knowing you. Um, we know you have this rapport with our franchise quarterback, blah, blah, blah. Didn't look so much like it, so you're gone. Because me, Matt Patricia, wants to keep my job for a little bit longer. Um, and so you have, to, you have to point to the reasons and, and fix those reasons. There's accountability. The thing is at Michigan State, it's not like a Ferentz situation to Iowa so much yet, but like D'Antonio has a, a fair amount of, you know, being bulletproof at MSU because of what he brought to the program that wasn't there for so long uh, before. And he brought a lot of success. And I think that Spartan fans, we're going to remember the success that he did bring. And maybe it's going to lead us to have the D'Antonio fault, being loyal to him to the point where it hurts us in the long run. Because, I mean, I don't want to see the guy get fired. I, I do not want to see D'Antonio ever get fired. I don't think it will happen. Um, I do want to see Dave Warner get fired right now because I want. I think we could. We have the potential of wasting a championship-level defense. I mean, this defense... Is going to be legit next year. Well, right? it will remain legit next <laughs> year because we've had a lot of players say they're coming back. We're still waiting on Kenny Willekes. I, I believe he'll probably come back. He's that kind of mentality. Um, See, that's the guy that on Michigan State's roster that I feel the maybe not so much from the personal level, like because he's not really in the media, like Chase Winovich, but he is like the Chase Winovich or or like uh, like Bocce maybe. But I really do think that players like that, if they announce that they'll come back, you know, because it was very similar with Chase Winovich. He was on the that like, is he gonna go? And he makes this statement, "No, I'm coming back for for my senior year," right? And that was huge. Now Absolutely. you have the same thing. If Willikis decides, hey, I'm I'm coming back, and we're gonna, you know, I'm gonna let the offense figure out the offense. I'm coming back, and this defense is going to be awesome. And if we have an offense that, like Michigan, going into this year, is just okay, just mediocre, just right. just that's all we simple. Need. Just score some touchdowns. It doesn't have to be 50 points. Just score. Then Michigan State's winning way more games. So right. I mean, I I, I feel your frustration there because I lived it. Last year, yeah. or 2017, I lived this exact same thing. We didn't make, uh, well, we did make, a, you know, we fired Drevno, and and it, but we we didn't make any new hires really, um, apart from, you know, positional coaching. But man, I just got to, I just got to think like, if he hasn't fired him now, 
Like, it doesn't it kind of seem weird? Like, I don't think we're going to see it get, see it happen now, right? Like, like well, you've almost missed like the now. Now it's sort of weird to fire a a, a guy. It's been it's been what two weeks now. Well, one thing that I wouldn't be this, D'Antonio, the way he operates and has operated in the past. You know, Dan Rouchard, he was the bane of my existence. This is an offensive coordinator we had years ago, and uh, some of our other offensive struggling teams. D'Antonio's a defensive mind. I love defense in football, but you obviously need an offense to at least be capable of winning some football games. You got to put up some points. Um, but Bruchard ends up taking a quarterback's coach position in the NFL, I believe. And uh, there's there's shuffling of deck that happens instead of just heads rolling. And so I wouldn't even be surprised if – I wouldn't be totally shocked if Warner's still on the coaching staff next year but maybe not in such a prominent role. Like maybe he's still co-offensive coordinator, but he's no longer calling plays and Bowman retires. And maybe they're just trying to figure out behind the scenes, what's the best route to go? How do we retool without a bloodbath? Because D'Antonio does not like bloodbaths. So do you think though, that if say that happens and they keep Warner on the staff, we're going in, Lewerke is coming in for his third or, you know, second year as a full-time starter, but basically it's third year with a lot of experience, like coming in, like all those guys are coming back. You have returning so many players, and it's hypothetically again, it's just abysmal. Like four and you know four and eight, just terrible. Worst case scenario, is that egregious enough for now, D'Antonio, that he might might be on the chopping block at the end of the year, or do you think that he's he's solid? Like Dave Warner will definitely have to be fired at that point, but it's almost like Dave Warner has to be fired right now. If you're not firing him now, now it's on Coach D next year like if this doesn't right. work next year now this is on you bro like responsibilities on his shoulders well yeah i mean a question comes into play though d'antonio has kind of reached that Izzo level to an extent of loyalty from michigan state fans at at michigan state i mean when does the ad get involved and say hey dude your offense right is brutal well, like i mean AD, the athletic like, director has to have a role true. in that too we kind, right? of have a, we kind of have a fake ad right now well, which Beekman, is part right? of the complicate yeah which is part of the complication you know we, if hollis were here there, I think that He'd Warner been, would be fired. Warner he probably would have been fired. fired. He probably would have been fired after well, the. It's Rutgers a business game. decision. Listen, it's a business decision. So if I'm AD and if I have power over these over these guys, because like you said, they're both powerful guys at our university. I, if I had power and I was the AD at MSU, I would walk into D'Antonio's office and say, "Look, this is a business decision. As soon as you keep Warner, we're losing ticket, you know, season ticket holders, and so you're firing him." It's not. It's not a. It's not discussion. Yeah. So well, I mean, you look at like. I mean, even like Valeni on ninety seven one is like obviously one of the biggest Spartan fans that is around here. Let's live on radio and whatnot. Right. He gave up his season tickets this year. Yeah, I, he for a multitude of reasons. But Dave Warner well, couple, is one of them. Years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's been yeah. a couple of years now. Yeah, but the but offense has been one of them. That he, he's, he always that blames he's MSU, the campus, and the experience. He, he and says the blah, blah, the, blah. he says the game day experience is one of the worst in the Big Ten and. That's that's arguable. I, I don't really I, know. I, I what went he's to the about. I went to the Michigan Michigan, Michigan State, State game yeah. in Spartan Stadium, and I personally thought the atmosphere was pretty awesome. Because I went to the Notre Dame game. I was down in South Bend, and dude, I mean, I despise Notre Dame, and their atmosphere is really cool because their their campus is cool. But dude, they had to do these like hype videos on the boards to get the team to get the fans to like be loud at right. Spartan Stadium. Oh. It was just, just know. loud the whole time. And so I, I don't know. I don't know where he's coming from there. But I do know that it's expensive. 
and right. it's right. really expensive. And so if you're going to shell out money to be a season ticket holder, hey, I'm going to shell out all this money. I'm going to make my donations. I'm going to do all this stuff. And right. I'm going to go watch Six another points. Dave Warner offense. Maybe I would consider I, I'm not re I mean, I have season tickets. I'm going to think twice. I, end of the day, knowing myself, I don't think I can stay home. <laughs> but like at, at the same time, gosh, you're going to put me in a position where I'm going to actually consider, do I want to do this? I mean, that was a frustrating season. I mean, I love watching defense, but it, when your offense stalls that much, it's it's definitely it's definitely frustrating. So we got to move on to Ohio State. Um, man, finally, we're going to have some positive things to say about one of our teams. <laughs> Although for Chase and I, positive is negative in this. Yeah, this scenario. is a, this is his worst case scenario as it gets. Yeah. So Dave, talk to us about your we love Rose, you still though, your Dave. Rose Bowl yeah. birth and ex- appearance and all that stuff. Um, and you know, it actually it worked out. I'd say better than anticipated. There was never a time during the game that I felt like, oh, we're going to lose this. Like, even when Washington was fighting back and it was towards the end of the game and they put up, what, 16 unanswered or, or something like that, there was never a point in time where I was like, oh, this is – it just always seemed like they just had just a little – they just didn't – Washington just didn't have enough time to make the, the run back to, up down 25 at that point in time. Um I mean, it was a good showing, I think, overall. I mean, I, I would have liked to have seen their, their offense get going a little bit more, um, but they were playing a top-tier defense in Washington, and Washington's safeties are, you know, I haven't seen Ohio State's defensive backs get, or, or not defensive backs, excuse me, receivers get shut down like that so actually since they played Michigan State. That's the last time I've seen their receivers get locked down the way they did. Uh, obviously, they did not get locked down like that against Michigan. They... Yeah, that was not a lockdown at all. Um, but it gets Washington in the second half. They were they were relatively locked down for the most part, and um, Washington made a good comeback, but it wasn't enough. And I just happy with the the way it en- ended up. But it was to be honest, that was even kind of a slow moving, boring game until the fourth quarter when Washington made its run. Ohio State had it in hand the whole rest of the time. So Ohio State's D looked good. Um, but yeah, the two guys that I thought would give me problems is who gave us problems, and Miles Gaskin and uh, and and Browning, the quarterback. They they ended up playing very well together, and Gaskins. I I think there was a couple of questionable calls towards the end of that game, like whether he was in Gaskins was in on that touchdown where his knee was seemed to be out of bounds at like the four yard line, and they were like, "No, it's good touchdown." Like, the, did you replay that very long? Because <laughs> His pants were purple and the sideline was purple. So it was kind of like, yeah. I guess you can't really see it and you called it a touchdown. Yeah. But that did not. It's going to be like the Zapruder, the Zapruder film with like the, the JFK stuff, you know, like it's grainy. It's too grainy. It's too, I can't it's really too tell. grainy. I can't I tell. I can't really tell what's going but, on, even though it's like HD. And yeah. Like so maybe like in the future Rose Bowl, like just paint your sidelines white like everybody else. Don't. No, but that's how the Rose Bowl does it. I mean, every every Rose Bowl. Is I know, like but that. then they they can't wear the same color pants. You can't see the replay. That's <laughs> write ridiculous. Him a letter. That's, write him a letter, Dave. I'm not going to write the Rose Bowl committee a letter. That dude looked like he was 80. He's, I'm not gonna, he's going to be very angry Dave's with me. Dave's upset about this like they actually lost the game. Yeah, I no, I know. Because it's frustrating <laughs> because it was like team looks so that was good. the one that made it close. Like. That dude was out of bounds at like the four yard lines, and no, I'm not going to write the Rose Bowl committee a letter. That's I'm not that guy. But the yet, yet. I, I, that guy's not going to give me a Werther's original when I see him if he if I write him a letter. <laughs> he might give you a hug in that really nice rose red blazer that he wears <laughs> everywhere he goes. He's probably wearing it right now. Right now, as a matter of fact, he had one turned into a robe. <laughs> it's just a robe. It's just his robe. It's his robe with the Rose Bowl emblem on it. But looking I mean, at looking at the, 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 here was my takeaway. Uh-huh. I'm watching this game. I'm going, you know, Ohio State. They, 
here's the thing that that gets me with Ohio State. It boils down to this: Ohio State typically is just always ready to play in those types of games. Uh-huh. I mean, going into the game, we had a few questions about their defense. Can they slow down this Washington offensive attack that comes out of this league that doesn't really play great defense? Okay, Ohio State, you, you, we know that you're going to be able to keep up. You have Dwayne Haskins. You have all these well, you know, powerful weapons, which they, they showed out just fine. I think Haskins still had three touchdowns, did he not? I mean, it's – but I look at their defense, and they just clamp down on Washington. And that – say what you will about the competition that Washington plays out west, but Ohio State really made Washington look average. And they, they, Ohio State was already in coast mode by the time in the fourth quarter Correct. when Washington was. Yeah, and that's, they were in coast mode, dude. They they weren't going to lose that game, like you said. There was no. Uh, there was yeah, no I never fear felt there. in danger uh, of that game going away. But in Ohio, I was happy with Ohio State's D. I just, I mean, I think I've gotten used to, you know, over the course of the season, watching Haskins just throw the ball wherever he wanted, yeah. and he did that for a couple of quarters, and it was two touchdowns, but he didn't throw a pick. You know that's a big deal too. I mean, not he didn't turn the ball over. Yeah. Um, Selfishly, I wanted to see Ohio State lose, not because I just don't like Ohio State, but because that was like the best way for Urban Meyer to go out, probably other than winning a national championship. I mean, the guy. What has the guy not done? What has the guy not accomplished? You know. Well, at this point, that I mean, was his, that was the last really that was nothing, his last yeah. thing. He said he was, always dreamed about going to the Rose Bowl and winning, and he did. And then now he's going off into the sunset. I mean, I don't believe for a second that he's done coaching. I think that is the lie of 2018. Well, but, I think he's either done coaching or he's divorced. <laughs> I mean, it's like his wife made it very obvious on national television. I want him to be done coaching. Well, that's a good so. point. I mean, that's that's like the one thing that people don't really talk too much about that that is playing a role in this. Yeah. But I mean, as I watched that game, it's same thing that you were saying, Chase. The game was decided early earlier in the game, and then I think the players thought that, and then that's how you let teams kind of get back in it, mm-hmm. and it came down to that it failed onside kick, whatever. So it, it it's it was Ohio State's game. It was a pretty dominant performance until. They built a lead such that they got too comfortable. Um, and Urban Meyer gets his cherry on top, sort of, of his Ohio State career. So if he comes back to coach, it probably won't be at Ohio State. Anyway, a lot of people are saying, oh, no, he'll be back. You know, if he does, it's probably not going to be at Ohio State, someplace else. Um, you know, unless he moves up from his professorship. You know, you never his know. Professorship. <laughs> I, I would say, moving, moving off of the Rose Bowl, I think the big question that I have for Ohio State is... Dwayne Haskins, see you later. That was one of, that was one of our like not our, our official Christmas wish list for, uh, for for you and I, Mark. But like Haskins gone, so that's good for us. But right behind him is a guy like Tate Martell, and then we have Justin Fields. Uh, the is Justin on the Fields roster. battle now too. So is... it's so that would be my big my big thing going forward. What are your thoughts on? That QB battle. Um, there was some some Twitter beef, maybe a little some bit. Twitter What's up beef, with that? Yeah. Uh, Tay Martell has uh, always been, a, I don't know how to word it, he's always been a proud fella. He, confident. He's, uh, he's a very confident, <laughs> confident young man. Um, Lacks the word humble. But, yeah, when they, I mean, they interviewed him about his tweets about Justin Fields coming there, and he said, well, I'm the starter 100% for sure. So, basically, he said, uh, don't swing and miss on this one. 
especially on your second try. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, so he's already kind of started. And he actually, Nick. did he tweet that at Justin Fields? Yeah, or did it was it like a subtweet? He, he made he made a tweet without directing it at Fields, but it was clearly almost, directed almost. Exactly after when the, the the sources say Fields is looking at Ohio State, then Tate Martell wow. comes out and he and he tweets that. That is aggressive. Oh yeah, yeah but 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 it's fun. I mean, you're talking about the two two of the number one recruits in the last two years. Tate Martell, the top dual threat recruit coming out of coming out of high school, and Justin Fields was the number one recruit in ESPN top three hundred last mm-hmm. year. So with with so, the transfer though, I mean, Fields has to sit out a year. So Martell's well, rude. there's a chance that he doesn't sit out a year though because it's he's filed for a hardship transfer. Okay, because there's been some uh, I don't know the the exact details of it, but there's been some some racial slurs thrown Justin Fields' way at the University of Georgia. That's been documented. That there's been witnesses on that have been on record stating that this has happened and mm. things like that in the past. Right. Have you know he might there be is a he precedent. Might, well, kind of like Shea. Shea should have had a city year, but he went up against the right. I mean, how did that go? Yeah, down there exactly? were, there were the- well, he he was. Uh, that was one of the rules that they. That was why it took so long. But they determined that players can, when when your coach is unceremoniously dismissed. That the players can go ahead and okay. transfer if they but want, but then they have to approve it and everything. Yeah, like they, that. I think so they I mean, had to approve it, but they're, no, they're, that, they're I, being more lenient on it now because I don't think that's an official rule, Chase. I think he, he had to he had to develop and show them that that he was misled by the Ole Miss coaches, okay, about some of the things that had gone on, and because when start, stuff started circulating around the program, like some you know rule breaking and illegal activity and sanctions and and stuff. Um, he was being recruited, and there was there were some rumors, and so he was asking about these things, and the coaches were. I mean, they were like, "No, no, we're good. We're yeah, good. Deny, deny, yeah, deny, 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 deny." And so he was totally misled and, and lied to, and so that he got granted that. Now they're talking about may, maybe making it more official, like yes, anytime that there's a coach, even a coaching change. That's and, maybe what I was. That's maybe what I was thinking, but either way, yes, the official rule is when you transfer. You have to sit out a year, so we'll see. I mean, I well, sort of, I sort of want him to get the hardship waiver. I, I kind of, I want to like, see the battle. Like, if you're talking to me as an Ohio State fan, I want to see like that'll bring the best out of Tay Martell, I, and should bring the the best out of Justin. Because it can Fields. go two ways. For you, you want to see it because it, it could potentially bring out the best. I want to see it because it could pen- potentially be another Will Tur- turmoil and, and, uh, and uh, you know, um, I can't even remember the guys. John O'Corn. Please don't. Please, please don't ever that. compare Ohio State quarterbacks to Wilton Spain and John O'Connor. All I'm saying, <laughs> I'm just all I'm saying is, please don't ever do that. Again. <laughs> like, well, we'll see. I mean, Tate, Tate Martell and Justin Fields should be really, really good, mm. um, and we'll see if they if they can, you know, pull that off. So, but they 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 will definitely pull it off better than Wilton Spain or John O'Corn. I'm, I'm going to go on a record for that one. You've gone on the record multiple times. <laughs> I'm just letting you know that's not a comparison. Um, but I mean, I think the bigger thing is is whether Tate Martell or Justin Fields start. Um, is Ohio State's losing six starters on offense, including Dwayne Haskins, who's the sixth quarterback ever to throw for over 50 touchdowns or 50 or over touchdowns? I mean, we're talking about a dog that broke what 29 Ohio State records this year in his first season ever as Ohio State quarterback. I mean. He just did a whole bunch of things that nobody else has ever done. And so now to, to lose him, to lose Paris Campbell, Johnny Dixon, McLaurin, two offensive linemen, 
Mike Weber. I mean, you're, you're not talking about just a couple of people that you're losing. I mean, you're only returning two offensive linemen, J.K. Dobbins, who's arguably one of the better running backs in I, I would think next year would probably be in college football that J.K. Dobbins is going to be a dog with a lot of the guys that we're losing this year. But, um, yeah, Tate Especially because they're going to be a they're going to be a running offense again. Yeah, because now that's what I'm saying. Either, either way, one of those quarterbacks, they're either way guys. they're going mean, to they're, they're gonna option be, guys. Yeah, they're, they're dual threats the no matter what. Over the place. Yeah, it's going to go back to what you saw with with Pryor, with Barrett, with yeah. Braxton. This I mean, is like a one off, like you know, drop pro, back and pass style sort of quarterback. Yeah. Well, game. and even at the end of the year, you saw some of that running game out of the quarterback coming back. Yeah. into the game plan to kind of take the offense to the next level. Yeah, and I almost think that they. Like I, now, I look at it and think that maybe Day waited to do that. Well, hmm. they would put Tate Martell in, in the Wildcat. I'm just like, this is just a quarterback. This run. is this is just an option offense. Yeah, this isn't the Wildcat. No, <laughs> he's just a quarterback that runs the option. Yeah, you know, this is all. This is what it's going to look like next year again. Yeah, and but so I'm talking about they added like in the Dwayne Haskins running aspect towards the end of the yeah. season because everybody was like, when he holds the ball out as an option, like there's no option here. <laughs> like you're giving the ball to the running back. There's no. So everybody was just selling out, and it, you know, a couple times Haskins, it, it did catch people off guard because they stopped selling out for it. So, but no, I mean, I'm excited to see what happens next season. Day's making good choices. I mean, I, I don't, the co-defensive coordinator. I'm kind of interested to see how that goes down with Madison and uh, the is it Heffley from from San Francisco Heffley that he just Hefley, hired. Yeah. Hefley, yeah. Um, and I mean, both those guys. He he worked with Heffley at San Francisco. And he worked with Madison under under Urban in 05, yeah, with Florida. So, I mean, there at least is some connection there. And, I mean, any coach digs into their own personal pool of knowledge. And Day doesn't have a huge diversity of that yet because he hasn't been a head coach. This is his first head coaching gig. So He's certainly making moves yeah. as if he's at Ohio State to stay. Yeah. He doesn't – we kind of touched on do we think Day is – up the permanent guy well he's making moves to look like that and then if they go on and they have a really great season then you know maybe he is cementing but 2019 is going to be exciting and i can't wait to to see as we find out news and as we see things happening coaching changes uh people declaring um kind of the outlook going forward we're going to talk about it but um it's a it's officially basketball season now guys yeah. and we only uh, have a couple minutes to touch on yeah. it today so so we'll be, we we'll, got to talk a little bit more about this going forward and this will be the focus you know in the off season we'll we'll be hitting basketball a lot more um yeah so so like i say we don't have a lot of time we'll just be really brief but we're in big 10 basketball season the every week we'll have two games um michigan and Michigan State are looking like they're on a collision course for the end of February. Uh, I know that Michigan State and Ohio State just played this past weekend. How'd that one turn out, Dave? I missed it. It, it didn't. It didn't turn out great. It was a good game. It, it was, was a legit yeah. a good I, game. I didn't I mean, actually I, miss it. I know. Saying. I figured you didn't miss it. <laughs> That's why um, you say we lost. Yeah. So can you just say it, please? Well, we did lose, but I'm okay with that. Okay. All right. a, I mean, you guys are a solid team. The first time you guys are both in the top six in like 20 years. I think well, I I read or something like that. I mean, as I didn't verify this, but I read ever in Maybe. the in the history of the the top six uh, in the history of the AP poll. Okay. So, um, so I, I just look at it. There's a collision course February twenty fourth, twenty fourth, and I you know I would hope that would be really cool if you guys play February twenty fourth and March 9th. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, Isn't that weird? It is super weird. But yeah. I think 
it it sets up for a really poten- you know cool potential of maybe even a top five matchup by then. I mean, you got to think if if Michigan State and Michigan are both still undefeated in this in the. In the conference, time, yeah. you're for sure that we're going to have two top five teams, and it's it's early to say that though. And as good as both teams look, it's it's easier than you think to drop a road game. No, I know, know that, but what I'm saying is, is if if that were to happen, I would I would say that we'd be in both teams would be in the top oh, five for sure. for sure, and that that would be you know a huge game. I mean, we're on the level of, I think that's going to get hyped up like crazy. We're, you know, you're on the level of some of these really big conference games that we always watch, going wow, that's that's a legit you know, basketball game right there. I mean, it could happen for, for those teams, but, you know, I'm, I mean. But it's been Mich- a long time since it's happened in the Big Ten. Exactly. You know, it, totally. Yeah. And, and I mean, you're used to, like, North Carolina Duke. Well, you're used like to. Like, that kind it, of thing, but not. In the Big Ten, you're used to Michigan State or in Indiana or someone like that just dominating. You know, it's like every year there's always that one team that's just like, they right. might drop a game or two, but they're the team that's legit and they're the ones that are kind of running the show there's, there's and usually things circled on the calendar yeah. you know i can remember it was michigan state maryland a couple of years ago you know with denzel and all that and it's it's been michigan state purdue at times or or you know and then last year i felt like it was michigan state purdue and then michigan kind of crept up out of nowhere mm-hmm. and ended up ending finishing the season really well michigan state won the the big 10 regular season championship and then but michigan comes in and sweeps the tournament beats michigan state in the regular season and you know ends up beating us twice so it's one of those things where now you're not no one's swooping out of nowhere we're both we're kind of squaring off that's why you say like you say collision course it's like you can see it well that's what i mean it's like it's 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 kind of right there it's on paper those are that's like the big game in the conference and uh so we'll see but i think that you know, for for Michigan, if we can just keep playing defensively the way that we are, um, I think we're going to beat a lot of teams. Um, and when we go up against a, a team like, you know, I look at Ohio State; they they still pose a huge threat. They got to come to Ann Arbor this year, but you know, they still pose a big threat. That's never an easy out. We have to go to Wisconsin here in a, in in uh, I think this weekend we have to be in Wisconsin, and that's going to be a really tough battle. Um, but then obviously. The Michigan State game. That game is turning into like the big, you know, game that kind of defines the season. So I'm hoping that that we're ready for that. But um, how, you know, how are you feeling about Ohio State? I mean, like I said, I mean, in our previous show, that I think that I just want them to continue to stay relevant. They're young. They're they're getting better. Um, number sixteen in the country. Oh, I mean, there's realistically, I mean, besides Indiana and you guys, there's not a lot of other relevant teams in the Big Ten right now that are even in a ranked in the none of them are ranked in the top twenty five. Those are the only four ranked teams out of the Big Ten. And like you said, Mark, but going on the road against any of these teams can be detrimental for all of us. So, um I mean I feel pretty good about Ohio State. I mean, Caleb Wesson is playing really good ball. He played he put up twenty five against you guys. Uh, on Saturday, su- Sunday or Saturday? Saturday. 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 Uh, what was it? It was Saturday. Okay, either way. It was one of those yes, days. it was Saturday. Um, but, I mean, he put up 25-8 and eight against you guys. I mean, he, he's playing really good ball as a sophomore. And probably, I mean, we'll go get into this later in the year. I'm sure it's going to jump ship if he continues to play yeah. the way he has been playing. But, I mean, I feel I feel pretty good. I think they're just going to keep making noise and surprise some people here and there. And they don't, they don't play another ranked team until they play – 
you on, on the 29th. Yeah. Yeah, it was, Wesson was a problem for, for MSU yeah. for a while. He, he did get himself into some pretty substantial foul trouble. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I think maybe this is biased opinion, but I think he committed like eight or nine fouls before yeah, fouling before out. Yeah, before he actually fouled <laughs> out, yeah. But, but you know, he, he, did, he did play offensively, especially a very – Mm. Solid game. I mean, he's he's good. Uh, it was it was kind of fun to watch him and Nick, yeah. Nick Ward kind of go at it. And they were, I felt like they were sort of back and forth. You know, Wesson mm. was all of Ohio State's offense, whereas Nick Ward was a part of it. So mm. Ward's numbers maybe weren't as as uh, as high. Um, but I'm I'm excited to see if MSU can can find some young players to continue to step up. And particularly, we don't know how long we're missing Langford, and so w- we need to find some people who can continue to replace them. That was actually my most, my, my biggest upside to the Ohio State win on the road against a very good Ohio State. We had some players play very good games in, and had some home, home court type of things happen for them. Yeah. Like the first ending the first half like that with some momentum and just stealing all the momentum back from MSU, who I thought for maybe 13 minutes, not dominated, but had control of the game. And then all of a sudden the last seven minutes come into the first half and Ohio State, Home courts that thing back yeah, it and it runs back goes, at it. Yep, and goes into halftime with a pretty good lead. Um, but MSU was was strong and resilient with no Joshua Langford. And that was the thing that really was impressive to me. I mean, he arguably is our most talented, most athletic player. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got Winston and Ward as well. But, I mean, uh, yeah, we got to yeah. see some young guys, Aaron Henry. And, and I'd love to see more Gabe Brown and and. Gosh, Foster Lawyer needs to pick it up on and be dependable at point in order for us to really be a tournament team built for the tournament because we're asking Winston to do a lot right now. Yeah, a lot Cash of score Winston and yeah. Has a score, he has to assist, and he's good at all those things. He has to handle. The problem is he can't do it, you know, two games back to back for 40 minutes a game or 38 minutes a game. Yeah, or and uh, can he do it against weekend. like somebody like Simpson at Michigan? Right. You know, it'll be mean? different. A big strong player like that. That's going to be hard for him to go yeah, at. Yeah, that know, should be a really fun match. I do think that Caleb Wesson kind of played like one of the monsters, <laughs> yeah. if I will. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. I do know what you're saying. Like, there was a couple times I was like, oh, that's number four. Oh, wait, no, they didn't call that. Oh, right. wait. Oh, they didn't call that. <laughs> they right. didn't call that right. either. Like, he was definitely the, the maybe the the Larry Johnson of the monsters <laughs> version that, that and night. You know, it, Michigan's, you know, defense has been known to cause coaches to get in shoving matches with their uh, – with their players, <laughs> you guys see that <laughs> yeah. the Penn State coach push the dude like um, a little baby tap push, and they they suspended him for a game, you know, just to stay on top of it. But I think Izzo came out and was like, "That was an absolute joke. Like <laughs> that guy shouldn't have been suspended at all." Yeah, you know. But uh, no, I think uh, honestly, even though Ohio State took that loss, I think the outlook is still great. I mean, mm-hmm. you're gonna lose in basketball. You're gonna lose some games. Ohio State could play the rest of the year went out still have a chance to beat michigan and michigan state mm-hmm. this i mean so nothing's lost there i, I just want to keep seeing the you know good this good basketball um and it gives us something to talk about something you know, to talk there's about, gonna be yeah. some big matchups you know ohio state keeps winning that game here coming up on, at the, 29th, on yeah. the end of the month it's going to be a huge game in yeah. chrysler so it and should they be have, exciting they have four unranked opponents before you yeah. so i mean but again all big 10 opponents so it's going to yeah, this season in the Big Ten basketball, it's always kind of treacherous. No matter it is because no matter if you're the only ranked team at Michigan State or if all three of us are ranked, right? It's always treacherous in the Big Ten. We always kind of beat up on each other, and that's 
And you so. said there's only four ranked Big Ten teams. Well, last week there were a couple more, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's someone ranked 24 or 25. And, you know, Nebraska has potential. Iowa has potential. There, there's some teams out there. And Northwestern can – I mean, they push Michigan on their home court. You just never know on a given night who's who's going to be hot. So I, I'm, not, I'm pumping the brakes before saying, oh, gosh, we're going to – you know, Michigan and Michigan State will run the table at this point or, you know, whatever else. It's going to be an interesting season to see how it shakes out. Both teams could easily drop one or two, but it should come down to uh, an interesting finish, especially, I think, between our two. You guys only meet Ohio State, Michigan only meets once at Ohio, Chrysler. Ohio State, Michigan plays one time. One time and at, at Chrysler. That's, at Chrysler. That, hurts, that hurts Ohio State, I think, in the, yeah. in the race because they don't get especially a chance to loser, Especially yeah. losing the, the one to Michigan State at home because now – to get that back, they have to go to the Breslin to to get that back, and that's going to be a tough out. But it's not impossible. Just like none of our teams look like they're unbeatable at all. So yeah. I mean, there's there's definitely some of that. Well, hey, listen, that that pretty much wraps up this episode. Oh, I um, have, I have one thing I, I wanted to add real quick. Oh, please. You guys teased me about when I said that Fitzgerald, Northwestern's head coach, was going to get an interview for Green Bay's job, and I just want to. Go on record to say Green Bay went to Northwestern and requested a interview with Pat Fitzgerald. So and you guys, yourself on the back. There, you guys, Dave. you guys laughed at me. You guys well, laughed at me. Good job, good for you. Good for you. Uh, you were this they close. Hired, they hired, you were this close. You had the offensive <laughs> coordinator for the Titans get hired there. But hey, can I ask you something? I know he got hired. Why but are I still you wearing a Boston interview. Celtics T-shirt? Uh, it's, it's, this is the best it, frenemies podcast. It's, this isn't the, the best uh, NBA people podcast. What the heck, man? Laundry day. No, um, <laughs> it's a. Uh, it's in, in love and honor to my grand my grandmother, oh. big Boston Celtics fan. Pat cool. Cutlip out there, not no longer got an Irish last name, but it's it's the Irish roots, my friend. Hey, d- don't forget we're on social media uh, at underscore best underscore frenemies on Twitter and Instagram. We are on Facebook. We're gonna post this uh, podcast. All around, everywhere that you can get it. We're going to be on iTunes. We're going to be on Google Play Music. And we'll at we'll be at podcast.com, as always. Uh, so just give us a like, a listen, a subscribe. Share with your friends. Tell your friends just how amazing our voices sound on your radios at home, in your cars, on your... Oh, yeah. On your Amazon Dots, wherever you're listening to us right now. Uh, but, guys... Happy New Year, and I hope that I hope that you lose every single time you play Michigan this year. <laughs> just just throwing it out there, guys. Just thought I'd share that with you. Just thought I'd I'd go there. Happy New Year, everybody. Have a good one, guys.